Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Stephen Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss: Are the environmentalists right that the world is overpopulated? Tim. So today I'm going to discuss a topic which is not very particularly popular for either side. Um, Todd Lewis and host of Praise of Folly and interviewed Swift and Dobson recently on on danger technology. And you and I, Swithin, basically agree about technology. It just accelerates things. It doesn't really change anything per se. Um, although there is one technology that's different, and that's birth control. And we'll get to that. Um, but a lot of technology, all it does is just accelerate things. So, like, you know, airplanes are just faster ships and so forth. Um, and why am I talking about this? Well, one of the accelerations things is, is, is the fact that the world can hold more people than it ever could. Uh, and we actually use less land than we did previously. And if you get people like Peter Zian, Peter like Alex Epstein, the moral case for fossil fuels, Matt Ridley, even stinking Steven Pinker, the world is just very um, productive. You know, in this sense, one of the comments that you brought up was that that the person interviewing you brought up in that episode was that Jevon's paradox. Jevon's paradox, I think, is on a macro level false in this instance because we we do grow more food yes we might uh, we grow more food and this allows more people to live on the earth with less uh, uh, with less land or less farming land this is a fast fact Matt really likes sprout as well as Stephen Pinker I think um, and this this means that modernity just has a lot more people around than any other time in history I think there's a certain date that where more people are alive after this date than before this date, and it's in the last 100 years, if not 50 years. That's Because like hunter-gatherers require huge territories, and you get this buffaloed idea where the myth of, myth of the ecological Indian, which is that they require huge territories, and they're not that particularly good for the environment. We've discussed this before here. But the problem to me with that is, A, no one who's listening to this lives that way, or could live that way, potentially, or B, could everyone live that way in the Kantian territory? Um, could everyone live with this, this territory? Unless we have superabundant energy, which is an ironic point for the overpopulation people, it's basically impossible. You know, if you look at like people like Roger Scruton living alone on his farm in England, I mean, yes, but he's sort of like an elite in this sense. Now, he, Roger Scruton probably didn't think of himself that way, but he clearly was upper middle class at that point. Um, so that, yes, a few people can live in, in secluded country estates here, but when everyone does it, it's called suburban McMansions. Um, and even only the only people in the United States that, and the only people in the United States that probably can do that because, and this is where I, I don't always think the third world Marxists are right, but I think in certain areas, um, the third world Marxists might be right. Um, so, so certain development patterns might not be feasible unless you have a either servants or slaves or or you and you're the one the elite or you have lots of energy energy is a kind of servant here and Matt Ridley is very clear on this so what's the main thing that's different again I want to stress this is lots more people and this is where it's going to get unpopular for both the right and on as well as the on the left here um, um, because if you want to live with fewer people or if you if you you're going to, need to force the existing people, to live in pods being fed bugs, and this is the whole WEF lie. Um, so if you get rid of fossil fuels without a replacement at this point, many people will basically wind up dead. Um, so one of the ways, one of the ways that like the uh, the 
sort of, I'll call them the WEF left, the World Economic Forum left, or the Margaret Sanger, J.S. Mill left, um, will do to decrease the population as well, as well as Bill Gates, um, is birth control um, and abortion. So this is unpopular because most people who advocate it like to talk about it on the, on the grounds of women's choice here, not on the grounds that J.S. Mill and others talked about it per se, which is that you know, J.S. Mill spent a night in prison for distributing birth control pamphlets. Uh, this is just one of those historical facts that just tends to get forgotten. Everyone likes, a lot of people, centrists and moderates like this guy. And I always, ever since I've read about this fast fact, I've, I always like to bring it up, um, um, especially to more conservatives and libertarians and so forth here. Now, on the right, people like on abortion like to talk about it as is you're just murdering People, there's a demographic crisis, and, this, and we've discussed this with the whole abortion and Richard Spencer thing here. You get people on the sort of quote unquote alt right who's who support it for seemingly verboten reasons. Um, so, so there are attempts to control human population here, because the, certain theorists have recognized that, you know, like um, certain, you know, if you look at the population of certain places, they 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 have they they. They're going to grow a lot more, and those are the only places that are still growing, arguably, here. Yes, the West and those four are having fewer people, of course, but this is only after a period of large baby booms of the 60s and, and, and before that. And then the 1800s were really, really Europe and the United States sort of blew up in terms of population um, and, and the survival right here. So, so the environmentalists, both right and left, um, um, don't really like all these extra people here. They won't ever, some of them actually explicitly say this, and this, and the, the, you know, the WEF left definitely, definitely says that here. And then in their own countries, they talk about one, um, one child policies. They praise that even people like Daniel Kahneman will praise one child policy in a discussion with Nassim Taleb um, and these other sort of top-down methods here. Um, um, and of course, you, know, you could argue their support for feminism is, is sort of, predicated on the fact that it keeps women from having as many children or enjoying having children and so forth. Okay. Um, so, so, there, so, so what, what can be done? Are there too many people here? You know, are the, are the right and left environmentalists, is this really what they're complaining about? Because, because Roger Scruton and others, you get these right environmentalists, of course you get right eco-terrorists -ter too. Um, um, as well, of course, left-wing eco-terrorists too. Um, but there is you, you, whether what what like whatever Ted Kaczynski's precise political politics, he's all over the place here. But he would be an example of someone who doesn't fit routinely into this sort of typical left slash right thing. And he complains. He that's another area where a lot of what his complaints are, and you discussed that in your episode with Todd Lewis could basically boil down to technology has allowed large cities and these large empires with lots of people here. Again, the population of Rome, which is the biggest city in the world, was 1 million. In my in my area, I can drive 300, you know, I can find a, a city with 1 million people, not that hard. Um, you know, or at least if you include the the, 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 the surrounding areas, it's not that hard. Um, um, so, so this, this is like, this is, this is, I'd say, the difference here with technology here. And it goes back to the simple idea of acceleration. Most of the, it may not have, unlike what people like Keynes and Mill thought that would decrease the work, it hasn't decreased the work. It, it's kept the work, it did decrease the work somewhat for some people. But 
it has increased the ability for the Earth to have more people um, here. And, you know, the only way to have fewer people is to control it either art, quote-unquote artificially, and that brings up a bunch of other can of worms here, which I sort of want to get into. Um, I'll start with you, Swithin. What do you make of my comments here on the, the so to speak, um, population explosion? Yes, it's going down in places like Europe and the United States, um, but this is, all, again, I'm going to repeat this, it's only after a period of about 150 years where, like, the United States population was, like, 20 million, um, and I think England's population in the Napoleonic Wars, I want to say, was, like, 6 million. You basically want 6 to, if you just include the ethnics, 6 to 50, or 6 to 55. You know, it's it's incredible, the population growth. Um, um, so, so I, I do think there was a, this is a huge change in this the sort of social fabric here and you get and you get to these theorists that a lot of people on the right like like aristotle for example he basically flat out says that you can't have a city over a hundred thousand you can't have a polis over a hundred thousand i think most cities in england are probably most people places where people live are probably over a hundred thousand if you include the surrounding areas here um, which of course you have to do um so that'd be my that'd be my that just creates an alienated society here um in that sense um so, Swithin, are there too many people? What would be the ideal population? That's a very interesting question. Um, I suppose when people tend to talk about optimal populations, um, because obviously you need a concept of uh, an optimal population before you can say whether there's too many or too few people. And it would really, I suppose in certain ways looking at it to say, uh, the population required to have the highest average uh, real income, because that would then correlate to the highest um, sort of standard of living. Now, of course, you could you could quibble with that. Fair enough. But if you were going to measure it, that's probably the best way um, you, you would go about doing it. And uh, as you point out, um, until I think like 1750, the, well, well, at least the British population was growing slowly very quickly uh and most of the you you had um as hopper refers to as a malthusian trap um you'd uh, have an increase in sort of productivity population would go up um that would eat the spare resources uh, and then bring down the average uh, well so I mean, not as a productivity but you'd be able to increase the food production population would go up but then material standard of living would go down again uh, to the, 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 the previous level. Um, but you have the big change in around 1750 where the population starts going crazy, uh, predominantly because of um, child mortality rates going down. Uh, the birth rates, uh, my understanding is, are pretty similar. They're around five and five to six. Uh, until you get into the late 19th century. That's at least according to the Wikipedia entry, charting from memory from about the Elizabethan era. Maybe slightly later, maybe it's the early 17th century. Um, but it's going to come about five or six. Um, so the question is just on the average standard of living, well, I say average real income, is well, how many people do you want? Because uh, clearly before the Industrial Revolution, it would seem to be the case that having more people beyond a certain level actually reduced the average standard of living. But that said, that didn't, doesn't follow. Having a lower population you did have would be uh, beneficial because clearly one of the big advantages of a larger population is the increased scope of the division of labor. 
Um, if you live in a small village and you have no decent trade routes with anybody else, the scope of division of labor is very limited because the probability that enough people want your service is really very small. So, I mean, for instance, um, I do um, um, tutoring and a lot of it online. Uh, ever since everyone decided to go online, it meant that there were a lot more people I could um, sell my services to and would mean that there'd be more people who would be able to provide similar services to me just because, well, the market is a lot wider. So even in the pre-industrial period, there is an advantage to having um, more people. But then the question is, well, have we got too many people? Well, I mean, when you look at the average standard of living, it just seems to be the case has gone up significantly. So, I mean, we... We don't really have prima facie evidence that the world is, in fact, overpopulated, unless, of course, what you want to say is, ah, the current standard of living is somewhat unsustainable. But then you get into the problem of, well, what constitutes sustainable and what constitutes unsustainable? I remember arguing with an environmentalist saying, oh, no, we should minimize resource usage. Um, and I was like, well, but, but why? Well, so, so other generations can, can use it. It's like, well, but how many generations do we assume exist? I mean, even if you take standard things of like heat death of the universe, the universe is going to end at some point. So how are we going to kind of like discount future generations, etc.? I mean, it's not obvious that you should just leave it in the ground or minimize resource use. That's, uh, I mean, a thought experiment I've always used, well, I haven't always used, I came up with it a couple of years ago. If you go to a planet, um, how quickly, and suppose you have the option of, People living on that planet, humans and your descendants living on that planet, let's say for a million years with a subsistence existence, or um, humans living on that planet for 100,000 years uh, with a really, really high material standard of living, at which point they'll die, you know, which is preferable. It's not immediately obvious that the former is preferable. And, that, and you know, you could plausibly make many arguments that the latter is preferable. Um, so you've got to really throw in sustainability thing as well. Um, and I also think to a large extent, a lot of the resource um, depletion arguments are just a result of bad economics. And I'm really, it, it's kind of odd that people think this way. It's like, oh, what happens if oil runs out? It's like, it probably won't. I think as Matt Ridley has pointed out before, we've never run out of a non-renewable resource. Um, you know, if oil becomes more scarce, the price will go up and people will find alternatives. Now, of course, you might eventually not find alternatives. But I mean, so far, we found the alternatives. Um, so if you want to make uh, the overpopulation argument as currently stands, I think you, what you want to say is somehow that, as Ted, Ted Kaczynski does, that industrial society is bad. Even though material standard of living is higher, it is unfree in certain ways. Um, you make an interesting point about Aristotle saying the poverty needs to be 100,000 and they've got cities of the size of a million. Um, that is, uh, and so, you know, you can't really have the ideal form of government governance there because the the appropriate size of the poverty should be too large. Um, that's an interesting question. It's something I'm thinking recently about, you know, why are cities so densely populated? Uh, and there could be various issues with that zoning, um, land taken out because of uh, absentee landlords, etc., not saying absentee landlords are bad per se, but you know, insofar as it's government grants of land, saying like the Western United States, where half of it is just claimed fear by the government, um, 
you know, uh, would it really be that densely populated? Although what you could always argue is, though, even if you did have densely populated cities, say, like uh, New York, for instance, uh, you could plausibly set separate it into multiple jurisdictions for various policies. I mean, at least there's five five islands that probably still got more than a million or so on each of them. But there could well be some natural subdivisions of general culture in the area. I mean, one obvious one in Manhattan, you've got Chinatown, which could clearly, I don't know what the population is, but you could easily, easily sort of bring that together as opposed. Now, whether or not that would be defendable in that sense, and that brings another question is related to this defense really, which was a previous episode we did, is whether a polis needs in and of itself to be defensible, um, which I don't think it does. You just need military alliances, uh, but that that's kind of beyond the scope of this. Um, so is the world overpopulated? I think the only claim you can really make is a sustainable argument at present. All the industrial society is bad. And also one last thing, as you mentioned about um, uh, population, I had a quick check. The world's population is, is estimated to uh, reach its maximum in 2050, after which um it will go down uh so we may well reach uh peak population pretty soon so those would be my initial overall thoughts i would be skeptical of how accurate those numbers are um uh these these numbers are notoriously can be notoriously inaccurate here um so industrial civilization I think the main byproduct of the industrial revolution is increasing the carrying capacity of the earth here. You know, you have the, if you think of the earth as a machine, which again, I know is, is somewhat unpopular to think of it as you just, it just, it sort of holds more people here than it ever could. Uh, and this is where Matt really pointed out. They used more farmland in 1900 when the population of the United States was only like 75 million. And actually the United States is the biggest food producer combined with the fact that we put like, a, I think a state of, I think we put like the state of Vermont and, and New Hampshire into ethanol production, which is totally silly. Um, um, but like that's combined with that fact that we use and the kind of fact we eat more meat than ever. Um, this is something the right and left environment, well, the left environmentalists know this, which is why they're increasingly vegan. Um, the, some of the right environmentalists like Scruton and others tend to forget this as well. Um, um, but um, we eat more meat, which does require more energy to produce here. I do admit that. Um, but then I get, but my opinion is, so what? What's wrong with using natural gas? What's wrong with using oil? Uh, CO2 doesn't seem to have any per, per se problem. Um, if anything, it's positive good um, um, because it creates a greenhouse, uh, increases plant yields here. So is industrial civilization the ultimate pro-life thing? Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of um, people on the right, Christians and others, like you talk about being pro-life and so forth. It just seems like before, someday in the past, um, there was just a hard limit on um, number of people you could have here. You know, um, even if you even if you get rid of like things, you, even if you just um, hold constant, you know, deaths from disease and deaths from other things here. Um, it just after about X number of people, you just don't have enough food based on the current farming methods to maintain people, or if you're a hunter-gatherer society, even, even work, the situation, in a sense, it's even worse. And this is sort of like, if I think about theories of civilization, um, hunter-gatherers would have to, uh, in a sense, like, like when you talk about the 
a lot of people like to talk about the class of civilization between like Cortez and others who showed up on the shores of North America. As Walter Block pointed out in the debate with Sam Cedar, outside of places like the Aztecs and the empires, which were quite civilized in quote, quote, um, um, although in a brutal way, they used native allies. But to the extent that the Eskimos and others, they only numbered at most, I think, about a few million, um, at few million in total all throughout North America. Population North America right now, I think, even Canada, New Mexico, and uh, United States, like half, almost half a billion. So you're talking about huge disparities of, of, of population um, in total numbers here between hunter-gatherers, as well as like yeoman pre-agricult, pre-industrial agricultural revolution farming here too. Um, now, it could be that this industrial civilization, as people like Ted Kaczynski and other environmentalists point out, it's alienating. I mean, this is, this is part of the Marxist critique. Although Marx himself is more praiseworthy, he, he would say that break down the backward idioticcy of rural life here. Um, so, you know, the, the actual point on Marx himself is sort of different here, and that's in this, than, than what some of the Marxist environmentists like to say it is. Uh, uh, so that would be my next comment here, Swithin. Um, slash question. Are industrial revolution, is it the most pro-life thing here in the sense that more people are alive today? Isn't that a great thing if people are indeed great? Indeed, if people are a good thing, um, and if, if, if the real barrier to having more people alive is just food production here, wouldn't be having more people being alive being, you know, et cetera, paribus, a good thing. Um, so isn't this a big win for industrial civilization? Could could this many people live, like, let alone like this? Um, I, I do think the bug pod, that everyone lives in pods with bugs, would be the way everyone would have to live if you got rid of, like, nitrogen, you got rid of all these sort of materials that Peter Zian likes to talk about with, like, farming here, you know, like why certain areas are going to have problems because you can't get these uh, certain types of minerals to put in their soil uh, from above here and so forth. Uh, um, do you think without all those types of things, do you think this many people could live here? And is the industrial revolution a pro-life thing in that sense? Swithin? Well, clearly it is. I mean, you have a test case of this, although I don't know it's usually well, but um, my understanding is that Sri Lanka decided he wanted to go to entirely organic farming, at which point he had a famine and they chased the leader out of the country and food production collapsed and needed aid. And so it seems pretty obvious that nitrogen fertilizer, etc., is essential, at least at present, for large scale food production and whether or not you can convert to like geoengineering to more grassland or whatever and get more sort of standard like say stand, I mean organic production or whatever to make it work, maybe. Uh, but currently, yeah, I mean, you, you clearly do need it. And so industrial society, if you're concerned about keeping people alive, is really important. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned, if you talk to most sort of uh, normie environmentalists, that's about, oh, no, resource use should go down. Resource use. Oh, yes, but we should give loads of money to healthcare, keep people alive. And it's like, well, yeah, but, but, but why? I mean, it uses loads of resources um to keep people alive so why should we um so yeah it, it, it is obviously massively pro-life that though though brings the quest the, the problem of the, the sort of classic 19th century eugenicists will bring up which is it means that people who are rel have relatively weak constitutions survive whereas historically they would have been weeded out of the population so we get to 
another sort of aspect to the overpopulation theory uh, theory it's not that though well, there's too many people as such we've just got the wrong people uh we've got too many stupid people who survive so i mean the the, the basic argument would be something like this well there's works two ways one is um people who have a relatively sickly constitution uh tend overall not to be hugely clever um so basically if you're more ill and uh you're you're weaker physically etc it correlates with uh poor um intelligence uh arguments related to this is like um, you know the brain is like 90 percent of the genome or something like that so you know if you've got physical abnormalities you're likely to have mental abnormalities i mean abnormality not necessarily you know, you're physically retarded but you mean you, you're going to get people who have you know 85 95 iq surviving who otherwise wouldn't um so to use an example that jordan peterson peterson mentions he taught this guy to try and fold a letter properly so he could work in a charity shop he reckoned he had an IQ of about 80. He had to leave because he couldn't do it well enough. Um, so if you have a lot of people like that, then you're kind of breeding more dependency, which, again, might not be a problem if you have lots of resources and you can look after them, but you could see how they might produce a strain on society. Additionally, and related to this, is you, you mentioned birth control earlier. You have the problem that the higher, the more intelligent people, the higher IQs tend to have lower uh, fertility rates. Whereas uh, those with lower IQs have higher fertility rates. And this is particularly uh, bolstered by the fact of the welfare state making it uh, possible for those people with relatively few means to have many, many, many children that they otherwise wouldn't be able to keep alive. And if they did, they basically have to sell them. And note at this point, selling of children historically took place until the 20, well, even up until the early part of the 20th century. They weren't sold into slavery. It was just you, you could sell guardianship rights effectively. Um, so when it comes to uh, sort of a strict kind of pro-lifeness, yeah, it, it's clearly good. But then whether industrial society and the technology of um, contraception is sort of pro-life in the sense of creating the, be- the, the most of the best possible humans, as it were, um, is is another question. And, and note as well, um, uh, the historian, um, oh, Parker, oh, I can't remember his name, in The Farewell to Arms, makes a very plausible case that the higher IQ merchant class had much higher facility, surviving descendants than did the lower classes. He looks at the surnames um, in the birth and death records. Um, and so one of the interpretations of this is you basically have people marrying down rather than marrying up. And so effectively you have a genetic uplift in the population. And this would be the general sort of case until you hit the 19th century in England because you've got a harsh environment. And so uh, people have to so plan for the future to survive. And if they don't, they die. And this kind of goes away in the 19th century. So TLDR. Um Industrial society is pro-life in the very broader sense, but whether it's pro-life in the sense of being pro the best possible people and the maximum number of them existing is another question. You would say um, you would say that the welfare state is only predicated on the fact that there's wealth, welfare, wealth um, to be distributed, and that wealth only exists because of industrial civilization here. I think it's a oh, sort yeah. of con- yeah, 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 definitely because like. Wouldn't have you wouldn't have you know, why don't why didn't primitivist farmers have welfare states you know why don't 
um, uh, various other, why didn't like poor uh, silver miners have wealth? Well, because they were basically just slightly above subsistence, correct? Yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, I, I don't, well, okay. So um, my understanding from I've heard, I, I don't, I think it was uh, Tom Holland. It might not have been. Who said that the Christians created the problem of the poor and the Romans frankly didn't care. Um, and it is true that you got various types of welfare from monasteries and whatever, but I mean, it's it's it completely and utterly different from the modern welfare state created by, say, Bismarck and uh, in Britain in the um, early twentieth century. I mean, you you, you simply couldn't have it. Uh, so, whilst welfare did exist, um, you have various poor poor acts in the seventeenth century and stuff. Uh, it's nothing like the modern welfare state as we as we currently know it and and that i would agree yeah the the only reason you can um you can have that is you have enough resources to redistribute to do it otherwise people will just starve okay yeah then, then we're basically in agreement yeah i do there is a question like how uh, the past here but again there's, there's just one thing is, is there's very few fewer people around to begin with in the past i mean this is one of the big differences with the present and the past here um so that that it might be more plausible to have even though there's maybe less wealth, maybe there could be some degree of generosity here um, um, that, that might not be uh, there today here. And you do get this problem with telescopic altruism where societies will, certain wealthy societies will, will send all their resources to help people far away instead of helping the people in front of them here, which is never a problem, I think, in particularly that Europe and the United States have um, that um, the other parts of the world obviously don't have here. They um, for better or for worse here. Um, so that, that would be my, as far as those points are concerned here. So listening to a lot of environmentalists, um, the quote-unquote right-wing ones like Todd Lewis, Ted Kaczynski, but also for that matter, the Wehrmacht, because the Wehrmacht would talk about Lebensraum. And this is, again, this is all, when you, you bring this up to environmentalists, they, and as Anne Coulter points out, the Sierra Club, up until like 10 to 15 years ago, was against immigration um, for very simple reasons. It's not that hard to figure this out. Um, you know, if you want parks and other things, bringing in, doubling the population in the United States, especially if the United States is per capita the, the biggest resource consumers in the world, is not a very good idea here. Um, if you think resources are that are scarce, scarce, not scarce in the economic sense that you have to go out and produce more, but scarce in the sort of absolute sense. Um, and you think that using them as bad. So as Ann Coulter would point out, the Sierra Club was against immigration here. Um, if, if these environmentalists are right, and of course the left-wing environmentalists, I don't need to mention them. Um, there's numerous, some you can find them in The Guardian. Um, there's uh, there's always an article I like to forward to people. There's this, there's this sort of upper middle class couple, and the wife wants to have a second child. The husband doesn't. The reason the husband doesn't wasn't is it's just one more consumer. Um, I mean, I think if you want to talk about the most anti-human uh, viewpoint here, I mean, who needs who needs eugenics or birth control when you have that at play here? Um, of course, these are probably, quote-unquote, more intelligent people, but then you have to ask, you know, this is the question, are these people really intelligent here, if that's their view towards life here? So maybe maybe, maybe Nassim Taleb is right um, about uh, intelligence. Who knows? Um, so, so my final question here is maybe civilization of this scale is merely fragile. Uh, I want to bring up Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock gets like 
made fun of and parodied at times. But his TLDR version, his normie version of his theories, there was a techn- this is not alien version, that there was a technologically advanced society, probably Atlantis or something like that. So he says that Plato talks about, and it just fell apart here. Um, um, now, a lot of archaeologists say, well, where's the evidence of this society? And yeah, I oftentimes think about our own society, how much of our own society would survive in 10,000 years. Um, the stone buildings might, a few stone buildings might, but not that many. Um, you know, uh, maybe Mount Rushmore, maybe a few, uh, few big stone carvings in mountains. But, you know, if a mega flood happened, you know, all the plastics, as contrary, they do eventually decay in 900 years. Um, so that's, that's his theory. And a lot of critiques, you know, a lot, one of my criticisms, a lot of environmentalists, is they're not pessimistic enough. I'm like John Gray. Um, you really think that if CO2 really is a problem, um, yet you also don't want to engage in depopulation of the earth. Um, you, it just seems like these things don't line up. You can't have all four of these. It's like the, it's like the cup game where you, you can't fit all these cups in the one area. You know, one of these things has to go here. So that's why I asked the, do environmentalists think there's too many people here? Because the way they want us to live is either, well, their actual solution is put us into bug pods. I mean, that, that's one of their solutions. But if that's not their solution, they're just going to have to kill off huge numbers or prevent people from forming here. Um, and this is where conspiracies quickly realm, which often turns out to be true. I mean, Bill Gates does, there are all sorts of shady things about birth control and, 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 and sterilization, things with, with the Gates health initiatives. Again, people like to talk about, people have a sort of canned view on abortion. It's a woman's choice or it's, you know, Satanists and, and things like that. But if you look into the into these other initiatives, things get really weird. And Whitney Rabb will talk about this. Other people will talk about this. Alex Jones will talk about this. It gets really, real, really weird, really quick, and you don't really know what to think here. Um, so I will say that you could just say that society of this scale is just simply fragile. I think that might be correct. I think that might be correct here. Um, but at this point, I you know we I would just say that you know what's the alternative here. Uh, you know, like, like it doesn't seem like we can defragilize this. This came up in the pandemic. Um, you know, like Taleb was talking about, like Taleb would like to talk about, like you need to have islands away from people. Well, you have the Singalese. Uh, Singalese. I might be saying the name wrong, but like North America and South America were sort of like continents away from people, um, be- before Columbus and you know in that period here. Um, that doesn't exist anymore thanks to technology. So any 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 bug will just go global thanks to like seven eighty seven Dreamliners and uh, you know all these elites private jets will just go global like instantaneously. Um, so there's just certain things about modern civilization um, that are disanalogous with the past, and uh, I'd say the large scale technological growth is and, and and in this sense we are like the Matrix. You know, there's a scene in the second movie, of The Matrix, where they're in New Zion and they start to, and they look at the machines. They're totally dependent on them. I'd say yes, we are. Contrary to what Ted Kaczynski, I mean, Ted Kaczynski, in this sense, is right. We are dependent on the machines to stay alive here. But I, unlike unlike a lot of the environmentalists, a I don't think that's bad. Um, you know, one of the things that you're not dependent on nature. I mean, nature is an extremely violent machine too. You know, like if you're a lion or you're a, a bird, you know, there was a bird nesting near my house, you know, and one of the eggs fell. And I was just thinking, you know, that's, that's, I was thinking about the Frank Sinatra song, That's Life. 
um, you know, or if you're a deer and you just get, you know, there's lots of things that, um, that just happen in nature. So this is the improvement, I would say, that industrial civilization, instead of being alien, you have to depend on machines. If not, you're just dependent on um, this sort of boogeyman of nature here to survive or not survive. So that'd be my final question slash comment here, Swithin. Is industrial civilization fragile? And is industrial civilization better, a better life than the previous time period properly understood AKA before 1800, or if you really want to go back, like before, this depends on what your view of prehistory looks like. You know, you know, like the Eskimos, for example. Are they are they a better form of life? Swithin? Lots of stuff to go on um, there. The so firstly, um, with whether society, the industrial civilization is fragile. Yes. But what you've got to think about here is it's a continuum. Whenever a you have greater levels of division of labor, you are more dependent on other people. And there are therefore more links in the chain and there are more, more links that could go wrong. That said, of course, if you have multiple different people of independent sort of um, independent chains, as it were, if one of them breaks, then, well, you've got another one you can hang on to. And as you rightly point out, um, the... Um, re- relying on nature is significantly more unreliable than relying on other people. Although I suppose, like Kaczynski would say, well, you know, at least you're individually empowered. You don't have that sort of power imbalance and not subject to other people's wills. It was like, well, you can't subject to nature. And I mean, like, well, not really great either way, I suppose. Um, so I would say that... Um, as currently constituted, industrial society does seem to be pretty um, fragile. Although I would probably, well, I would argue that's to a large extent due to government intervention, um, creating sort of, as it were, unnatural economies of scale and uh, restricting technological development. So what I'm thinking here is, um, if you get to a situation whereby everybody can own their own micronuclear reactor, say thorium powered. Um, the world's energy supply will be astonishingly robust because you can just buy some thorium and it will last you forever, effectively, until you die or your descendants. So you're going to be very, 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 very secure. I remember coming across a speculative theoretical design for the thorium-powered car, which said that it would be able to travel a million miles without refueling. It's like, if you get anything close to that, you're, you're that's pretty robust. Now, of course, something goes wrong, you need someone to fix it. But then again, it depends on how difficult it is to fix. Um, and also, you get, you get feedback loops. You know, technology allows more people to fix things that otherwise wouldn't be able to fix. Though, ago, you could say, oh, no, but what if YouTube goes down? It's like, well, there's other file sharing sites. And I wouldn't be surprised with the internet as well, but you could get... <sighs> Again, something to think about recently, you know, how, how could you get a more decentralized internet? Could you do it on shortwave transmitters and whatever and whatever? Um, but you could get torrent-based ones, maybe. So uh, whilst it creates um, fragility in areas, it kind of compensates for the, the fragility um, the fragility as well. Um, and as to whether the society is more preferable, I mean... I think you've you've kind of come to this as before, um, is that um, technology really functions how slaves did historically. I mean, 
if you look at sort of the of the magnanimous man, the sort of the Aristotelian Ubermensch, as it were. I mean, he can only exist if he has loads of slaves to do loads of work for him, so he can uh, engage in contemplation. Because otherwise, you'd have to work all the time and won't be able to read and philosophize. Whereas the internet has allowed more people, well, industrial civilization allowed more people to do this. And of course, now you get infinitely replicable works. And so the life of the mind is is available to more people than ever it has been. And also to those who it was available to, to begin with, it's in that many degrees, um, that many degrees better because you can just come across so many more works, familiarize yourself with more schools of argument, etc. And so, um, you know, the good life can be even better than it has been um, historically. I think um, the major critique of um, industrial civilization really is a sociological one uh, of the breakdown really of the family is probably the best argument. Now, whether or not that's directly attributable to industrial civilization is another question. I think more of a case, as you pointed out before, it allowed people to do things that they otherwise wouldn't have done. And I think most people don't think about things. And I think that, well, think about things in a certain way. So for instance, people go, oh, I'm going to get a job somewhere else to get more money. I mean, I've to do that as well. And then they might not think about the surrounding um, social impact that might have on themselves. And then how that might impact other people, including themselves as well. Um, although, and whereas historically people were kind of constrained by the lack of transportation um, and so were unable to um, to act upon those wishes and so were kept by, um, uh, were kept by constraints in a, in a more sort of socially, uh, ide- socially beneficial arrangement. Um, so I, I think really the, the technological society requires sort of an elevation of will uh, where people need to um, think through things in a way that they otherwise wouldn't consider the whole uh, and then they will make more ac- um, better decisions. Although I suppose related to that, if you had elites who would reinforce that is another question. Uh, well, if you have pe- re- elites to reinforce that, then more people would decide to do it. And I suppose uh, the fact that they don't is probably one of the biggest changes. And that, again, relates to the role of women um, in the decline of the family and all you mentioned with uh, the overpopulation, which is interesting. If you ever look for anything on the optimal population, it's always a lower population. And always what they want to do is to encourage female education because basically they think we get female education, we get the birth rate down. Uh, And I actually think that's a bad thing for women. And... um, society as a whole i mean clearly the one of the justifications for mass immigration in the west is a reduced population um and also i think that most women do want to have children and have be in the heart of some sort of personal um small organization in the family the extended household and the local community and they would prefer that much more than working as a corporate drone in a uh, large mega corporation. Although they do seem to do that very well because they're highly agreeable and follow orders well. Uh, but ultimately it's not something that is good for them. Um, but they kind of end up just sort of w- walking into it either by high costs of housing 
or they they succumb to the sunk cost fallacy. They've trained for a certain occupation, so they think it'd be a waste if they didn't. So they send all their kids to, in to uh, childcare, inverted commas, um, and then of course don't have as many children mm-hmm. for that reason. So um, that's really the the problems of um, over of, of industrial society. Although this is somewhat different from the standard sort of overpopulation critique. Yeah, I, I, that's my last short comment here. Uh, I think if you sort of push environmentalists and sort of hold them down, they would say lesser people is is a preferable population. They're going to be they're going to be very strategically silent when it comes to the third world and, and the second world, of course. Oh, the second world, aka the post-communist states, are have much lower birth rates than any first world country. This is a, this is a fact. Um, like China, former USSR. They're very low, and they'll be strategically silent on the third world. But this is where conspiracies quickly reign about all sorts of uh, medicines, and you know you could look at what RFK said about certain um, diseases which are illegal in parts, of, which are which are sort of given to parts of Africa, which are illegal in parts of Northern Europe, um, and so forth. Which you know that's that's again quickly goes into certain realms, which you don't know fact from fiction here. Um, but they'll be strategically silent on that too. But they they do prefer. Um, there's certain kinds of elites, and I think and that's one of the common threads from environmentalists. I'll be I'll be fair to Scruton. Scruton is not Scruton. I'm I'm trying. I'm I don't want to make Scruton out to be a boogeyman here, but I do think his arguments can lead you to sort of conclusions which don't necessarily, which he wouldn't necessarily like. Um, which which is part of the reason why I think he's so pessimistic. Um, in, in a sense about. Um, this is the current existing situation here. Um, so I, I, I just want to quickly say we're in Scruton. There's a lot of things I like about Scruton. So it's not all it's not all um, uh, a takedown here here. But I do think the environmentalist thing is is just one of his weakest points here. I do think I do think the people on the sort of quote unquote right should shy away from environmentalism and be more maybe not appreciative of of or worshiping of industrial civilization. No, by far means don't do that. But at least be aware of what like what life was before it, and was that a better or worse society? You could you could turn around and say that actually ancient Greece was a better society, um, but you know this is where it's like well there was large amounts of slaves, uh, many people just died, um, um, before they reached you know a certain age. There were certain limits on how many people you could have, and there's certain limits of how much influence you could have too. Um, so I don't know. It could be that the Eskimos or the ancient Greeks lived uh, sort of better life than us. Um, but keep in mind, there was only a few hundred thousand of them, uh, at most a few million um, in total. Um, so the, the, uh, the, 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 that's the, the big difference, I would say, between now and like 300 years ago. Uh, I mean, uh, even, even 150 years ago, it was just the number of people floating around here. And if people are good, um, if people really are a good thing, um, then you should be glad there's more of them around. Because even though there might be more quote-unquote dumb people around, as that was one of the criticisms made in the comment sections there, there's also more smart people around too. Um, so you're more, you're rolling the Talebian dice looking for, um, you know, the next autistic super genius here. Um, so I, I would say that the benefits of industrialization outweigh the costs um, in general. Although you can think otherwise, but in this sense, there's no way to Kantianize it. There's no way where we all can live 
like Ted Kaczynski. If everyone moved to Yellowstone, Yellowstone would look like, and people talk about like Yellowstone National Park or other areas. What they're really talking about is a very controlled natural environment. They're not talking about natural environment like Siberia, like before, you know, a hundred years ago or currently even. Um, they're, they're talking about is a natural environment that's kind of like Disneyified. If everyone moved there, um, it just wouldn't really exist here. We'd all starve to death. So that that's that's the current existing reality if we give up fossil fuels and if without a viable, like something like thorium nuclear reactors as the alternative here. So that's my final comment. Um, I do this to be somewhat, um, I did this sort of a provocative title uh, because I think, you know, too many people is the kind of things that someone, um, someone you'd comment, you know, that'd be the kind of thing that you, you, like, what genocide are you planning? I'm not planning any genocide, but I do think um, the de facto case of making fossil fuels expensive is a kind of of uh, light genocide maneuver. If, 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 if they indeed actually get away with, with their, all their agendas, um, they, the elites, the WF elites, and so forth, the, the climate elites, and so forth. Um, so fossil fuels are pretty good, as Alex Epstein would say. So then, thanks for doing the show. I agree. I, I think the right-wing environmentalist, uh, what they need to do is to embrace, um, actually embrace technology and try to develop decentralized forms of it. So if it was the case that you could massively improve communication and transport so that you could basically live in the same area you grew up, but travel, you know, maybe a couple of days for work in a certain different area, or you could work remotely. I mean, a lot of the social critique that they make of it could disappear. Um, insofar as they think, well, let's suppose fossil fuels are bad, they could go, well, okay, we'll use them as a, in, uh, as, as a transition, but then we'll develop nuclear. And this is sort of similar to uh, Michael Schellenberger, who isn't he's sort of a liberal, really, or well, he is. Um, but I mean, this kind of reasoning could be appropriated by the right-wing environmentalists. Um, and you could then have, and, and then, then also they could champion the fact that if you have very, very energy dense, uh, forms of, uh, electricity production, you can actually have m more land wild. And this is the point Alex Epstein makes. So, um, I actually think in, insofar as the right-wing environmentalists care about people, I mean, there really is a case that you can make that, Whilst it's true that, well, whilst it might be true that industrial civilization was bad for the planet, etc., um, this this created uh, the conditions for the transition to sort of like the uh, quote unquote sort of utopian position, whereby you could have high material standard of living, and uh, you could have um, minimal impact in a certain way, or at least the impact that humans can have can be very concentrated in certain areas. So you have lots of wild areas as well. Uh, now, this wouldn't answer the eugenicist sort of environmentalists, and so they might have to be dealt with slightly differently, but they're not really pro-life. Um, so I, I think there are ways you, you, you can go, although I, I think in most cases it, it, it is it does require um, uh, embracing nuclear, and if you don't, then basically you've got to become, you, you go, well, society um, peaked in the 17th century or something, which is basically Todd Lewis's position. Um, 
Now, I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcryinglibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcryinglibertyshow at gmail.com. Oh, 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 o